saying that uh, I've come across. Richard Foster is a, a thinker and theologian. He says this, our world is hungry for genuinely changed people. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. I would add courageous people. Isn't that true? Because we live in curious, curious times. So two weeks ago, we talked about the first courageous decision. What do you do with God? Second one, what do you do with worry? Because we all have them. And this week, we're talking about what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do with one of the most important things in our lives that's happening all around us all the time? And that is noise. And just to help you remember these things, we've got some magnets down below under your chairs. Reach down right now and grab some. In fact, there's a handout to go with this morning's talk if you'd like to follow along with it. See, we thought we would just give you this awesome magnet set. This is going to be a box collection set. In 150 years, this is going to be worth amazing amounts of money. And there's the first three that we're looking at the last three weeks and including today's one. So you must come back for the next three weeks if you want to collect the total six package. And some of you with a mild OCD will be going crazy if you don't come along and get the complete set. And if you're not here, we're not going to send them to you. Gee, we're just really mean around this place, aren't we? I want to talk this morning and the time that we have left available with us is to talk about noise. Have you ever noticed how much noise there is in your life? Have you ever noticed how much noise there is in the community around about. When I went to university, we were told that the coming of the technological age would be so advanced that we would have far more downtime, there would be reduced noise in our community to the extent that we'd have all this leisure time on our hands. How profoundly wrong our university teachers were. If anything, it's actually increased the level of noise. There's not just the auditory noise, but there's also the data noise. Have you noticed? The data noise that there is bombarding us every moment of every day. It's all around us. There is noise that's making demands on our life when we can't even imagine what it's doing to us. If you want to follow us this morning, we're going to be looking at one section of the Bible called Mark chapter 1. If you want to travel with us in that section, you can as well. Noise. If you don't believe me that noise makes demands upon your life... Let me just go through some of these noises and just be a little attuned to what it's doing internally inside of you. So let's start with this noise. Background noise, right? Have this every day. What about this noise? You have mail. You have mail. We might turn that noise up a little bit, Tim, because it's not quite as annoying as it could possibly be. You have mail. Or this noise? In the school ground, in the play yard. You heard this noise before? If you're a teacher here this morning, I'm just gonna let this play a little bit longer. What about this noise? Some of you are checking your phones right now because you're addicted. Or this noise. Love that noise. Used to wake up in the morning time with my wife and say, baby slept through. Don't ever ask that question, guys. Sorry, Beck. Or there's this noise. 
This is the other baby. Anyone know this noise? That's someone doing a bad thing to a dog, and they shouldn't be because they're trying to get the noise to stop. Oh, there's this noise. Oh, so. No one. More about gel coat. When the fourth round would. Don't you call in? Can the surfing noise? Oh, there's this noise. Love this noise. Oh, sorry, that's the Mexicans next door. We want to let through with the walls. But that was last week. Let's go to this week. Mom! 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 Doing something? Doing something for you? Mom! 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 Some of you older people and maybe have had kids, you can't remember that, can you? It's because you're deaf. Or let's take all of those noises and add them together with some pace of life. I mean, this is the busyness, isn't it? The noise of busyness. Some of you that work in the city, it's just relentless, relentless, relentless. And then when you see all of that busyness and you add it to this. No wonder that some people retreat to this. Just wait for it. Just wait. Isn't that good? I mean, don't you feel anxious, you know? I'm anxious. I feel so much better. No wonder people retreat to spaces like this, and no wonder one of the buzzwords in our community right now is mindfulness. Have you heard this word before? Mindfulness. Reading an article this week by a gentleman, he's a British author by the name of Pico Aya, and uh, he wrote The Art of Stillness in 2014. He, he wrote about being on a trip to Singapore to see an executive manager who was looking after a marketing campaign. They wanted to pick his brains. He got there, and, and the targeting campaign was marketing to the child of the next generation. And he pulled him aside, there you go, and he said um, he was just waiting to hear this new campaign strategy and the marketing director pulled him aside and he said, actually, the thing that I'm really interested in is stillness. He said at the same time, he noticed that there were hotels in California that were spending big bucks. In fact, you would pay big bucks to go and stay in their hotel that was completely and utterly Wi-Fi free. He said there was executives and people paying big bucks in order to get to places that had black holes for Wi-Fi because people were wanting to escape from them. Do you know this? There is so much noise and static in our world that our world is critiquing itself and saying what we need to do is get away. What we need to do is in some way to disengage. This was driven home to me yesterday when I was driving home from drop-off in the car and I stopped at a set of traffic lights. And I looked across to my left-hand side. There was a mum in the front and there was a little, it looked like a two-year-old girl in the back. And she was kicking the seat in front. And she was, you could see, I couldn't hear it, but you could see her mouth opening and closing. She was crying and kicking the seat. And I thought, well done, you mum. You are just ignoring that. You are just paying attention to the car. You are just, I'm going to drive. I'm not going to be distracted. 
And then as I looked across for a second glance, I noticed that the child from the abyss below the window line raised an iPhone. <laughs> Olive two-year-old. And then just turned it horizontally and quietened down. The data of distraction. <laughs> when I was coming home from New Zealand uh, just in November, uh, a friend of mine was wearing these things. I thought, why is he wearing these things? And he said, uh, you should try these, Troy. I said, what are they? He said, they are noise reduction headphones. This is a fairly new technology, but not completely new. Have you heard of this before? The noise reduction headphones work like this. By the way, am I talking too loudly because I can't hear myself? Is that it actually phases out the noise coming towards you, so it sort of flattens out the sound. So it helps you tune in to the sound that you want to listen to and tune out of everything else. See, the question I want to ask you this morning is a simple question. What are you going to do with noise in 2017? Because it is everywhere. The way in which you answer that question, I believe, will determine the future, possibly, of your entire life. How are you going to deal with noise? Every demand it makes you going to run to. Every pressing upon you and rewiring of you that it wants to generate, are you going to allow? What are you going to do with noise? Because I believe that how you answer this question will determine fairly much the next 10, 15, 20 destiny of your life. Because the noise ain't reducing in our community, is it? It's just increasing in our community. Jesus dealt with noise. In a particular morning, after a series of engaging ministry opportunities where he was casting out evil spirits in people, where he was healing the sick and the poor, where people were flooding to him from all of the Galilean countryside to engage with him, this profound prophet and healer and teacher, Mark records in chapter 1, near the end of this chapter in the first of his book about Jesus, he says these words. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Some say a lonely place in some texts. Jesus seemed to be in the habit of retreating from the noise and the demands of life. And people would chase him. Because Mark goes on and says this. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you? And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is creating noise and static in your life. They want something from you. They want to talk to you. They want to bring their sick to you. They want to know if you're leading them into a new dominion and kingdom. They want you. And Jesus was in the habit of retreating to lonely places where he could pray and seek clarity and direction. Because he replies to them and says this, we must go on to other towns as well and I will preach to them too about the good news of the love of God available to all. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done or has been done to you, God loves you. And he proclaims that message. Come to him. Fall at his feet. 
Worship him. Engage with the living God and he will bring you alive. He says, that is why I came. You see, it seems that Jesus understood the power of retreating to lonely places to conversationally pray with his father. This week, I've been jumbling over in my mind and wondering, what is it? What is it that he would say to his dad in those wilderness spaces, those lonely times? I imagined, would he come and say, Father, Father, everyone is demanding everything from me. I don't have an ounce of time left. I have to retreat. Father, There are some people, they come to me and I heal them and they walk away as though I don't even exist or that you don't exist. It seems that they're happy to come and get the gift, but they don't want the giver. Father, some of them want to come and make me king. They want me to take a sword. They want me to rally people and just be like all the other kingdoms of the world and kill and maim and wound in order to bring your advance. Father, Religious leaders, they're rejecting me. And some people are beginning to turn against me. It's awfully lonely out here, Father. And then in the night before he was crucified, he was again in a garden in a lonely place. And he he says, Father, I don't know if I can go through with it. I don't know if I can hang on that cross. If there is any other way you can take it away from me, would you just do that? But that's what you want. I'll do it because I love the people. I love you. Jesus, if you like, would employ his own noise reduction headphones and put them on routinely, early hours to get away, whenever it was, to re-engage with his father. Because he believed that there was a God, a maker of the world, who when you draw close to him, he will renew you and empower you and speak to you, if you like, make you more fully human, like you were intended. So over all of my years that I've been kind of walking with Jesus, I've discovered a simple law that seems to govern all of my relational connection with him. And it's simply the law of proximity. It goes like this. The closer I draw to Jesus, the more I feel like I become alive. The closer I draw to my maker, gives him the opportunity for my maker to remake me amidst all of the noise and demands and static of this world. So for our time remaining, I believe that this is so powerful. Whether you're following Jesus here today or whether you're distant from him and wondering if he's really even there, this principle alone will rejuvenate your life. To retreat in order to renew. You see, in my late teens, my early 20s, The idea of just believing in God and 
showing up to a church on a Sunday kind of took a new shift in my life. And it was though a light switch came on and he just he became alive. And I noticed that I would routinely retreat from the noise and the static. And I would do three things. I would learn to pray conversationally to my maker. I would read the Bible reflectively as though it was words to me. And I would practice gratitude. I didn't know that at the time, but it kind of welled up from inside of me, this kind of thankfulness, this praise for who he was. Those three things I practiced. And, And I would practice them in my bedroom I would do it sometimes in extended, go and stay at someone's place. It wasn't there just to get a day out to myself because there was this light switch that had come on. And over the years, through the seasons of ups and downs, through times of dryness and times of high, I've found that this is the one thing that has kind of stabilized me, if you like, to become more fully human amidst all of the seasons of life. So here's the four things I found that when I engage into moments of retreat happen to me. And I think that happened to you as well. First thing that I discover when I begin to open up this, this book is that it would reveal things about who God was and who I was and still does to this day. I mean, I've read all different kinds of literature. I've, I've read Plato and Socrates. I've read the the... The books of the major religions of the world, read them. And I find that when I engage the Bible, it's something quite new. The landscape of it's different. Some people come to me and they say, Troy, you don't read the Bible literally, do you? And I say, well, there's all different kind of literature in it. And so you have to read it according to the literature. Some of it's songs, some of it's poems, some of it's history, some of it's just engaging and saying what God's up to and what he's done. And so I, I read it like that. But yes, I read it like it's reading me. In fact, one of the writers in the books of the Bible says, for the word of God, his words is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the inmost thoughts and desires. You see, what I find is that when I open it up, it starts to point fingers at me. (laughs) I don't like that, but it does. I remember one particular time I was preparing for a talk I was doing when I was training over in America. And it was the next day I was going to be giving a talk kind of like this. And in the midst of my conversational prayer, I felt this kind of push. And God, God brought something to mind of a relational breakdown I'd had with someone. They didn't even know it. But I was harboring this angst, this anger against them. They'd hurt me. They didn't know it. And I was just kind of, mm. you know that? Anyone here ever suffer from the, mm, there, but you just don't bother to tell them? Well, this had gone on for weeks. And the night before I was, I just was reading and, and I sensed God saying, you want to talk tomorrow on my behalf? <laughs> and you think that way about, I thought, oh, well, it's just something that I ate. But it wouldn't go away. God has a way of doing that. You know, it's annoying like that. It's just, it's called conviction. And, and so I just tucked it to the side. Oh, that's just something I ate. And, and it came back and, and it grew. That's how you know it's God. It just kind of grows on you until in the end, I found myself on a telephone call to that person saying, this is going to kind of sound a little weird, but you see, I'm talking tomorrow and I've kind of been reading and God's been messing with me and... Can I just apologize? 
and clear it up. You see, the second thing I find is that when I retreat into spaces and practice those conversational prayer, just calling out, reading reflectively and, and maybe gratitude and practicing that, to, I find that I, I get guidance. You see, what I find is that as the psalmist writes, he says, your word's like a lamp to guide my feet and a light from my path. I find that there's all kinds of wisdom in the way I should behave with other people. There's all kinds of wisdom in the way I should interact in my relationships, in my workspaces, in my What's the left or what's the right? How do I live fully human life? It guides me. Remember one student going into and asking a principal of a college, a Bible college, saying, what are you doing? He was in a chapel by himself. He was flicking through the pages of his Bible and the words came very clearly. What am I doing? I'm reprogramming my mind, he said. You see, because he was aware of all of the noise and the distraction that happens in our world and how it infiltrates and there's no such thing as a flat canvas, a blank one in our world, because everyone's trying to get a piece of you and a piece of this and sell something there and grab something to stimulate and to exercise you to think and behave in a certain way. So much so that he would retreat to spaces to do some reprogramming because he needed. It's also in this place that I discover I discern the voice of my maker. Jesus said and anticipated that people that followed him would hear the gentle nudging of his spirit at work in their lives. He said in one place, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He was referring to himself. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Jesus anticipated that people would be able to know his voice when they quiet and still their minds. Some people who have heard the nudging of God in those spaces Some people have actually resigned their work because they sense a greater calling on their lives to go and use their skills in other ways they've been trained for. Some people have heard the nudging voice of God have gone and traveled to distant lands because they want to engage with people they've never met because there's a love that's compelling them. Some people have heard the gentle nudging of God have got out of their car and helped a woman who maybe has been upset and distressed by something that's happened and they've seen. In small or large ways, the voice of God nudges in their lives. I can stand before you today and say that I've only heard the powerful voice of God audibly once in my life. But it's been through a series of nudges as I've retreated and quietened that all kinds of decisions in our lives have been made Because of it. Lastly, I find that when I retreat from the noise, I engage with the power I can't fathom. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person. It doesn't mean I was all bad. It just means I can only do some good. And I need help. You see, when I Retreat. And I speak to God and say, God, would you fill me up with who you are? 
I find that he comes. He gives me a love to love the people I find hard to love. He reworks my thinking to think more accurately and clearly about what's important and what's not. When I'm discouraged, I find him lifting me through seasons. I find he fills me with courage sometimes when I'm afraid and I know I need to stand up, but yet I know that it won't be popular with people. You see, what I've found and discover over the years is not, there's not always mountaintops, but there's times when I retreat routinely that I draw upon his power for life. What are you going to do with noise in 2017? Perhaps the way to answer that question is to ask you, what are you currently doing with noise? Are you caught up so much in the busy, busy that you can't even hear yourself think? Haven't created a new thought? Haven't quietened your mind to even allow a maker to speak? What will you do? With noise. So right now what we're going to do is create a space for you to deal with noise. Band's going to come on up. What I want to read for you is this section. Just before I do, I want to give you five opportunities this morning to kind of respond to noise. First thing I want to challenge you with here this morning, if you're far from God and you'd like to find out more, or if you're close but you've kind of been dry... What I'd like you to do is do a courageous thing in 2017 and determine that I will retreat. Maybe for you, and this is where I have just a starting thing, 20 minutes a day. For some people, it's going to a mountain. For some people, it's sitting beside their bed. For some people, it's a couch or in their car or a moment at work or or maybe just sitting in the chair. But it's a retreat space, a lonely place where you can get lonely with yourself. Retreat, 20 minutes. The most courageous thing you might be able to do this year is to decide. I'm going to retreat. Here in the space right now that we create in a moment, there's a question down the bottom of your handout. I want you to ask yourself and ask God prayerfully, how do you want me to be courageous in 2017? If you don't even know where to start, this card, that picture, it's going to be available for you in the foyer. Stu and Ali are going to be handing them out if you want to. How do I even start? What does it look like? This will be a resource for you. You can take it with you as a reminder. Next door and in these rooms here, there's some signs on the side. I want our next engage at the end of next month to be the most courageous engage we have ever done at New Community. So as you wait on him, you might get prompted with an idea or maybe you just have one now. During the song that Cindy's going to sing, come up out of your chair and write it down. We want to fill these up with ideas so you can be spurred on. But it starts with one dangerous prayer. Speak, Lord. Speak to me, God. 
from listening. From listening. From listening. This morning, I'm not talking about have tos and duty lists and earning my way to God. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about retreating to renew with your Maker, who's here, just in the unseen. To speak to us. So as they sing, you might want to close your eyes, you might want to write some notes, you might want to get up out of your chairs. Write some ideas. Take this time now.